Welcome to the Doctrine Matters Podcast, where we seek to equip the church to understand and live out its faith. I'm your host, Stephen Dew. I'm the preaching pastor at South Caraway Baptist Church in Jonesboro, Arkansas. We want to thank you for joining us today, and let's get right to today's episode. Welcome to the Doctrine Matters Podcast. This is a podcast that is about doctrine and why it matters. And it is about doctrine and why it matters from a Reformed Baptist perspective. I know that's uh, language that tends to stir some emotions in folks. And that's okay. That's okay. That's what we're going to talk about today. That's the reason I threw it out there. And... Uh, for you to hear the words Reformed Baptist, and many of you that are listening may be a Reformed Baptist, a traditional Southern Baptist, you may be a Presbyterian, you may be uh, a Methodist, a uh, Episcopalian, there's a number of things that you could label yourself as. So specifically, I would label myself as a Baptist, but beyond that, it would be a Reformed Baptist simply because of the... London Baptist Faith and Confession, which I believe contains extremely biblical information uh, in that the 1689, as some of you may know it as, um, but the rich doctrine from a Reformed perspective is the reason that I, sh- I lean and am considering myself a Reformed Baptist. So I say that to say this. What happens when you find yourself in a Baptist church or any other church or any other denomination and you start laying out doctrines and there are disagreements, there are arguments, there are divisions over what you call yourself and the doctrine and theology that you hold to? So specifically, if it's in your own church, let's, let's bring it into your own local body of believers, your own congregation. What if you find out that somebody in your congregation holds to a Reformed Baptist perspective? We're going to just use a Baptist church here. Of course, we could use Presbyterian or something else, but we're going to specifically use a Baptist denomination. And you have been going to this Baptist church for years, and now you find out that there is someone in your church, maybe it's just another church member, maybe it's a church leader, maybe it's even your pastor, you find out that he leans or this person leans or is considered to be a Reformed Baptist. Now, when we talk about the word Reformed, there are a lot of things in there that would uh, differentiate between certain Reformed people and Reformed Baptists and Presbyterians and different things like that. So that's why uh, I I would say Reformed Baptist. We're not going to get into that today, but one of the words within the word Reformed is the word Calvinism. Now, many of you have probably heard the word Calvinism, and uh, many of you may have tried to define Calvinism without really doing the research behind what Calvinism is, and many of you may have heard what somebody else have said Calvinism is, and that is how you viewed what it is to you or what it means to you. So now you have this view of what Calvinism is, and you find out that somebody in your church is Reformed, and, and Reformed would be a buzzword for Calvinist, and Calvinist, a buzzword for Tulip, and all of these things. So you find yourself at odds, at, at a disagreement when it comes to theology with someone in your own local congregation. So what are we to do when that happens? Well, for starters, I think that what we must do is we should study out everything that we have an issue with. We should 
and let me just back up even further than that. Before you are shaped by a theology, you should be shaped by the Word of God. So if you claim to be, or if I claim to be, a Reformed Baptist, I should be able to tell you from the Scriptures why I'm a Reformed Baptist. So let me just lay my cards out on the table here. If you are not a Reformed Baptist, we can fellowship. And I, I can get into the things that here in a few minutes of how we are going to find ourselves on primary doctrines. We're going to link arms. We're going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ together, and we are going to move forward in faith and love for the glory of God and exaltation of Christ and for the benefit and edification of the saints. So we can talk about that. So let me just say, if you're not a Reformed Baptist, if you're not a Reformed person at all, if you do not believe any of these uh, doctrines that I particularly believe in and and hold to, uh, that's okay. We can still fellowship. But if you ask me why I'm a Reformed Baptist, I'm going to say, well, grab your Bible and a cup of coffee because we're going to be here for a minute. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start trying to unpack for you why I believe the way I do from the Scriptures. Notice I didn't say that I was going to unpack the way I believe from a YouTube video. I'm not going to unpack what I believe from a article that, an article that I've read on Google. I'm not going to unpack for you my neighbor's theology that I cling to. I'm going to unpack for you what the Bible says about the Bible. I'm going to tell you what the Bible says about who I think God is. I'm going to tell you what the Bible says, what I believe salvation is. I'm going to teach you what I believe the Bible teaches about regeneration and how I believe regeneration precedes faith. And if you're listening, you may believe that faith precedes regeneration. And there's the key to everything. You also must be able to articulate from Scripture and show in Scripture why you believe what you believe before we can ever sit down and talk through the things that we may find ourselves in disagreement over. So you may find yourself disagreeing with Reformed theology. I might find myself disagreeing with traditional traditionalism or a traditional Southern Baptist leaning, and that's okay. I'm going to show you my position from Scripture, and you should be able to show your position from Scripture as well, not just take somebody's word for it. Let the Scriptures form your theology. And when you find yourself disagreeing, you can then bring both positions to the table, listen, in a loving manner. This is the second part of this. First part, you need to be able to articulate what you believe and why you believe it from the Word of God not from any outside sources, but from the Word of God. The second thing that we do if we find ourselves in a disagreement with somebody is we go to that person in humility and love. We're not going to try to win an argument. We're not going to try to beat that person over the head with a Bible. We're not trying to change that person to cross over into our way of thinking about certain doctrines or theology. We're simply going in humility and love to try to understand each position and there's disagreement there, and we do that lovingly. That is a huge key, and if, we're, if I'm honest, many people in the Reformed camp have taken this word loving, and they've kind of kicked it to the side as if we don't need the word loving anymore. Now, I'm, I know that's a blanket statement for a lot of Reformed folk, but uh, for, the, for the most part, I'm, I'm just saying it. This doesn't apply to everyone, but there's a lot of people in our camp that would take the word loving and they want to 
uh, strip it. They want to think, well, God is a just God, and, and we should contend for the faith. And yes, we should contend for the faith, but there is a way to have a disagreement with a brother that is not lashing out, beating over the head, and continually trying to win an argument. That is not going to be helpful. It's going to lead to divisions, and the Bible is clear to us that there should not be any divisions within the church. We find ourselves in a world where we are in just so many different divisions right now. We have a global pandemic going on, and we find people on three or four different sides of the aisle. Should states open up? Should they not? Are rights being taken? Are they not? Uh, There are so many things that are dividing our country right now. But when it comes to the church, that there should be no division. So if there is a disagreement in doctrine, come to that person lovingly, lay out your position, lay out why you disagree with their doctrine. If it's bothering you, that's when you take it to them. If it doesn't bother you that you go to church with a Reformed Baptist, or if your pastor's a Reformed Baptist, then don't bring it to the table. Just keep going on about your business as as normal, right? There's no harm, no foul, so to speak. But if this bothers you, then obviously we have to talk about it. So bring your position, bring it lovingly and humbly, and then you talk through the issues because God doesn't need divisions in his church. And if we don't do it lovingly, and if we don't talk through the issues in a humble manner, then it leads to arguments, it leads to divisions, and in some cases, it leads to a church split. That is not what we want at all. Because God tells us that in his word that he does not want divisions in the church. Now, some of the things that, are, that, that, that people would throw back at Reformed Baptists is that you follow a man, you follow John Calvin, you follow the Reformers, and that is not true. I love what Paul says in the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 3. Uh, let's just start in, in verse 1. This is, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not merely being human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellows workers, fellows, fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Do you see here the argument of you follow Calvin, you follow the Reformers, you follow Adrian Rogers, you follow Jacob Arminius. Uh, that would be the opposite side of the Reformed Baptist spectrum as you get into Jacob Arminius and Arminianism instead of Calvinism. This is not a debate on those two things or, or laying out those two things right now. We're simply talking about how to handle divisions and arguments in the church or disagreements in the church. So we see here in this passage of Scripture that Paul and Apollos are one. 
And those people, we see they're writing them saying, well, I'll follow Paul, I'll follow Apollos. And Paul says, we're just being men. You're being men in a human way, acting out in a human way. God is the one that gives the growth to people. Now, these people came to Christ by hearing the word of God, hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ through each of these men, but that doesn't make them their God. And even they, Paul here acknowledges that, that you don't follow me, you don't follow Apollos, you simply follow God, the creator, the one that gave you salvation, the one that saved you, right? So here we see that if you're a reform side of the spectrum, you do not follow John Calvin. You do not follow uh, any of the reformers, Martin Luther, John Knox, any of those guys, you do not follow, if you're on the, what we would call the traditionalist or Arminian side, you do not follow Adrian Rogers, Steve Gaines. You do not follow Jacob Arminius and a whole handful of others. Charles Finney, you don't, you don't follow these men as you would Christ, because it is God that grows you in salvation. It's, it's God through the Holy Spirit that grows you in holiness. It's God that saves you as a result of the Spirit making you new and your repentance and faith in Christ. These are just men that teach the Word of God, that preach the Word of God, that have uh, given their lives to the careful study of the Word of God. And, and we have men on both sides, God-fearing men that are going to find themselves in heaven. Listen, if you are a traditionalist or, or an Arminian, so to speak, you are going to worship for e in eternity with Reformed people. If you're Reformed, you're going to worship in heaven with non-Reformed people. You're going to all we're all going to worship in heaven with Pentecostals, I believe, with, with, with anyone that professes faith in Christ, that is truly repentant of their sins and trusted Christ. I believe there's going to be people from many different denominations that we will worship alongside of as we are worshiping the risen Christ, as we are worshiping Jesus for all of eternity. We're going to be worshiping with all types of people around us. We're going to be worshiping with black people, white people, Asians, Hispanic. I don't know uh, what all it's going to look like or how it's going to go down, but the, the divisions in the walls that we put up here on this side of eternity will all be destroyed and are destroyed in Christ. And we even see that we shouldn't have any disagreements when it comes to skin color or race or uh, how much social, uh, socioeconomic status. Is that right? Or, or economic status or social status, any of those things. We see that in Christ, all are one. Now, male, female, there is no male, no female, no Jew, no Greek, nor slave, nor free. It's everyone is in Christ. So if you are a true believer, it doesn't matter if you follow or, or, or your theology is shaped from a Reformed perspective or a traditional perspective, as long as your theology and the primary doctrines that you hold to are from the scriptures. Let me back that up. All of your theology should be from the scriptures, okay? But listen, there are primary issues, there are secondary issues, there are tertiary issues. Now, one of the big ones in the Reformed camp is the doctrine of election. I could spend a whole hour, two hours, three hours simply going through the Bible and laying out why I believe the doctrine of election. And you may say right now, I don't believe that at all. I believe that we choose to be saved. And I'm going to tell you, I, I appreciate and respect your stance. 
Now, we can sit over coffee. We can go through our positions. We can lovingly do that. And at the end of the day, we can still disagree, but we can agree to disagree in love for the sake of the primary doctrines of the Bible. What are those primary doctrines? Well, the main ones are that Jesus Christ came to this earth, truly God, truly man, and he lived a sinless life. Oh, let me back up just a little bit. He was born of a virgin. We have to have that. We have to agree that he was born of a virgin because if he's not born of a virgin, then he's not God. Because if he's not born from a virgin, then he is going to have a two, not a, but but two worldly parents, which makes Jesus a worldly person born in sin like the rest of mankind. But as a virgin being conceived by the Holy Spirit, Jesus is God incarnate. This means that the invisible is made visible. We have to believe in the virgin birth. We have to believe that Jesus lived this perfect life and was the ultimate sacrifice that God uses to save people. Now, we have to understand that Jesus lived a sinful li- sinless life and he died on a cross. He was buried, and three days later, by the power of God, he rose again, and he is now seated at the right hand of God, and he is coming back one day to judge the living and the dead. Now, we have to agree on those things. I believe that it's important that we agree on the Trinity, that it is the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three distinct persons, one God. Each of these persons plays a different role within the Godhead. Now, this isn't an episode on the Trinity, but you see these doctrines, and the only way that salvation can be even said. Now, listen, in our, when I witness to someone, I don't say, if you are one of the elect, you will be saved. I don't say that. The Bible doesn't teach us to say that. The Bible teaches us that we are saved by grace through faith that's not of ourselves, not of anything that we've done. You can read Ephesians 2. Uh, matter of fact, read all of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, but especially Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. But we see that salvation is not a works thing. You cannot earn your way to salvation. You cannot earn your way to heaven. You cannot work hard enough or well enough to inherit the kingdom of God. You must be born again. You must repent of your sin and trust in Christ and believe that he came and he died and he rose again for your sin. And the Bible says you will be saved. Those are really quickly things that we, if we disagree on other things, if we disagree on the doctrine of election, if we disagree on uh, the perseverance of the saints, meaning that you will not fall away or lose your salvation if you are truly saved. If you've been truly saved, you will persevere to the end only by the Holy Spirit. You may believe that we could lose our salvation. Again, we'll have to go to the Bible to discuss that and show that point lovingly, but we must agree that salvation is not a works-based salvation, that it is only by grace through faith that we are saved. It is not of ourselves, nothing that we can do. It's all of God. And we have to believe that he was born of a virgin, that he was crucified, he was uh, buried, he rose again on the third day, and we have to believe that he is coming back to judge the living and the dead. Now, these are things that we can agree on, primary doctrines. Now, when we get to those secondary issues, it's okay to disagree on those, because we're not really going to be, you know, know that we're... 100% right on all these things on this side of heaven. And and then even on the other side, we may not ever know. 
So these secondary issues and a tertiary or, or third level doctrines, we can disagree on, but we should not break fellowship over these doctrines. One of the toughest things that I've seen in churches all across America is the, the division that happens over secondary and tertiary issues. Now, uh, divisions that are handled not bringing each other's... Well, I've been involved in several uh, discussions where I've brought an, an open Bible and laid out my position scripturally. And the other side doesn't bring a Bible. They bring a tax. They bring things they think they know about a situation they're talking about. And I've learned that nine times out of ten, most people are they don't have a firm grasped uh, grasped a firm grasp on reformed theology, and that's okay. I don't fault them. I don't I don't make them feel like they're not being heard. I don't make them feel belittled because I get it. I was once in the same position, and just the way that God revealed the scriptures to me, I tend to have fallen on this side of the theo- theological leaning of the Reformed Baptist uh, camp, and I've lovingly walked through my position to only to be attacked by others. Now, if both parties bring scriptural evidence of why they believe what they believe and bring it in a humble, loving way, hoping to sharpen one another, that, that's the ultimate goal. Is if, if we walk away disagreeing, we are still sharpening one another. We're not trying to win an argument. We're not trying to belittle one another. We're trying to sharpen each other, even if we don't persuade anyone for our position. But at the end of the day, we should walk away from disagreements in love because our ultimate goal is to glorify God and exalt Christ, make disciples, encourage one another, build up the saints, encourage the body of Christ. And we can do that by agreeing on the primary doctrines. So if you find yourself in a church, what do you do? Well, we've already said it. You bring your scriptural position if it bothers you. You humbly and lovingly sit down and chat with the person that you disagree with theologically. And you definitely find common ground on the primary doctrines of scripture. And if you can't just get down with their position. Now, here's where it, where, where it really gets a little interesting. Many people can deal with another church member and the position they take when it comes to theology. Because they, they, they just sit across the aisle from them. They're just another member in the church. There is uh, nothing going on. They're sitting under the same teaching, under the same preaching that they are. They just happen to lean a different way theologically. And uh, many church members are going to be able to tolerate another church member if they uh, disagree theologically. What happens is when people find out about the pastor, elders, leaders, deacons, anyone like that that may lean a certain way theologically that they don't lean, that they particularly have a bad taste for because they've been fed misinformation about these things, it's when the church leadership is in disagreement or, or someone is in disagreement with somebody in leadership, whether that be the lead pastor or somebody within the leadership, then it becomes a hot-button issue. It becomes a front-burner 
I, we're going to settle this now because I disagree. This is the church I've been coming to, and now I find out that you're a Calvinist. That's usually how it goes. So in my uh, journey, I don't go preach John Calvin. I don't go preach the Reformers. Now, we've talked about the Reformers. We've quoted some Reformers. I've quoted traditionalists. I do not just stick to quoting people that I lean towards or find common ground with theologically. I will quote anyone as long as it's biblically accurate. But when somebody finds out that you lean Reformed or Calvinistic, oh, it's, it's that hot button issue. As I said, I came in, I don't preach John Calvin, I don't preach the Reformers, I preach Christ and Christ crucified. And I, in my particular instance, I, I taught this way from, from the Bible for a year or so. And then, through some ways, uh, it, it was uncovered that uh, some folks in our church were quote-unquote Calvinist. And this was opposition coming from the outside, trying to stir up trouble from the inside, and that started a few fires, and people not understanding what that is, and trying to uh, make sure that we don't let them stick around, because the truth be told, folks didn't know what it was. They were just hearing rumors, and, 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 and the way you don't handle disagreements happen. Well, that led to me being able to lay some theology out, and then some folks were like, oh my goodness, you're one of those reformer people. And I was like, well, no, I, I just, uh, I'm convicted by the scriptures in this way. And this is why, because of these passages and, and laid these things out. And man, it, it just starts one thing after another because people don't, one, come with their scriptural basis of what they believe, and they don't come, for the most part, with a loving attitude. Now, there are some. I sat with a few people in our church before with great hearts, willing to learn, but at the end of the day, they just couldn't get down with these secondary and and, and third-level issues, and that's okay. So that's a part of being able to disagree lovingly and and understanding that even if you're a pastor, that people may leave your church as a result of your theology. But that's where people are really going to show their true colors as leaders, I believe. Now, I know we're talking about disagreements in, in a whole, but I think this is you're going to see a leader especially. If they are truly convicted by the Word of God, then they're going to stand and, and continue to believe what they believe, whether people leave his church or not. If this person is not truly convicted by the word, and maybe they're just being uh, holding to a theology because it's quote unquote cool, uh, and then people start leaving his church, then you might see this man waffle. You may see him change his mind on his theology. And I believe it's important that if we can disagree in love, and at the end of the day, people need to leave the church over doctrine, then I believe that that is a decision that they should make in prayer with the Lord and feel a peace about leaving and doing so in a good way. And we have had people do that in our church that have uh, shed tears with us as they said their goodbyes. And we shed tears with them and, and we told them that door swings both ways. They're more than welcome to come back. And I pray that some of them do come back 
uh, because we love them, right? And that's a part of being able to disagree is to continue to love someone after the disagreement seemingly comes to an end. Whether you agree to disagree and you continue in love together, linking arms for the sake of the gospel in the same local congregation, or whether you are linking your arms together for the gospel, for the glory of God, from across congregational lines, we can still stand with our brothers and sisters of other churches because we are not at war with one another. This is a another topic for another time, but churches should not be at war with one another. Churches should not try to outdo one another. One of the sickest things I hear sometimes is, how many people you got coming now? Now, I, I have close people in my life. Like my dad, number one, he's like, so what, you know, how many, how many folks are coming? You know, what's the, what's it look like on a Sunday now? And I get his heart. He's not asking me to, to, to see how big or small my church is. He is genuinely interested in me and our church and just kind of keep a, just kind of running head knowledge of what's going on because he asked me a lot more questions than that. There's people that I know and love that ask me more questions than just how many people are coming on a good Sunday or, or how many members do you have? There's a lot more questions behind those, and they're not pointed just to see how they can outdo me or how much better they're doing than our church or how much better our church may be doing than theirs. That is where you get into more disagreements and divisions. Even in the church, as we go across congregational lines, churches can link arms, even if they disagree on secondary and tertiary doctrines. Sadly, here in uh, the South, we don't see many churches willing to link arms with other churches because of the theology that they may cling to or lean over. Uh, but I want to come back to being able to disagree and still being loving with one another. There are people that I said have left our church lovingly. They've sat down with us. They've cried with us. They've shared their hearts with us. And at the end of the day, they felt God was uh, moving them on. And we encouraged them, loved on them, said, hey, come back. We're family. We're friends. We'll do anything in the world we can for you. Uh, just come back if you want to. We'd love to have you. And then there's people that just get mad and leave. They don't say a word. They 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 uh, they, they they offer up disagreement, but they really are divisive about it. They don't they don't want to talk about it lovingly. They bring misinformation, uh, and then they just up and leave. And they still cause division from the outside when they get to other churches. So that can't happen either. So a, a good disagreement ends a couple of ways. One, you end it loving one another, giving God glory, linking arms for the sake of the gospel, for the building up of the saints, and you continue business as usual. Maybe maybe you maybe you do persuade someone. Maybe you don't. Maybe you have to spend years talking through theology and, and, and maybe it never happens, but maybe maybe there is a time where uh, one party crosses over and is like, okay, I see this now. It's, it's going to have to be God revealing that to their hearts. Like, I, I don't want you to think that we could just win someone over. Uh, we can't just, we can lay out the evidence and, and pray that God would just do what he wants to with it. But our ultimate goal should be humility and love and sharpening one another. So there might be occasions where uh, someone would come with a disagreement and they find themselves leaning more on that side after a, a several study sessions and, and talks and coffees and lunches. But at the end of the day, maybe never, but you can still, again, for the sake of the gospel, uh, glory of God, move together uh, for, the, for, the, for the building up of the saints and preaching and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, still disagreeing, but doing it in love. 
Now, another way that this could end is a disagreement can end is, as mentioned, a family or people could leave your church in a disagreement, but still leave out of love and care for the body and for the glory of God. And then another way is you just outright leave divisively, that you are uh, sinfully leaving and causing divisions in the church, and you are willingly causing divisions in the church, and this is sin, and the Bible's clear that there should be no divisions, there should be no gossips, there should be no slandering, and uh, that's a way to leave the church, and that is not a healthy way to end a disagreement. Healthy ways are when you can disagree and love, and whether that's breaking fellowship at one church or not, as long as love and humility and care for the Word of God, care for the glory of God, and for the building up of one another in iron sharpening iron, that is a way to have a disagreement. We don't fight. We don't argue. We don't throw things. We don't act like children. We just lay out our positions, and we love one another, and God is going to do the rest. I personally believe in a sovereign God that providential, his providential will will be uh, played out in this world. And if, some, if a, a disagreement ends divisively or in a division, then that means that uh, if I'm in the wrong, then I need to repent and get right with God first and then be made uh, whole and reconciled with the one I've sinned against. If somebody else acts out and gets upset and frustrated and anger and it ends just badly, then that person, if they're a believer, has that on them to repent and be made right with God and then be restored with the individual. And we always want to see a healthy restoration, a healthy disagreement. There are people in our church right now that I love dearly, and they love me. They love our leaders. They know my theological leaning. They know our leader's theological leaning. They know we, what we teach in our new member class, they, that we teach and believe these things. But they also know that it's okay that they don't believe some of the things that we believe. And that is the beautiful thing about a body of Christ. When you have people that can disagree on secondary issues and they can still worship together under the same roof, that is a beautiful thing. And I'm not going to make them ever be on quote-unquote my side and they're not trying to make me be on quote-unquote their side i'm just going to teach the bible i lay it out as i've studied it and carefully try to rightly divide the word of god and i let the chips fall where they may so to speak god lets these things land in the hearts of his people and at the end of the day there may be disagreements. There may be disagreements on secondary issues until Jesus comes back. And I've got people in my church right now that are willing to come every Sunday. They're willing to come serve. They're willing to love on people. They're willing to hear and sing the word of God. They're willing to sit under the preaching because they know they're going to hear the word of God. And, and listen, this is not a toot of the horn. This is what every preacher should be doing, and that is submitting himself to the Word of God, not to his thoughts, ideas, and topics on the Word of God. We should submerge ourselves into the depths of the Scripture, and every man stand in the pulpit and preach the Word as he has studied it to rightly divide it. And if there are disagreements that come up, then 
pastor, elder, deacon, leader, you go to these people in humility and love, hear them out. That's a big part of this. I wish I would have talked about this earlier in the podcast, but hearing them out is a big part of disagreements. They need to be heard. And a lot of times people that are upset, they're going to feel like they're not heard and that's okay. You just got to trust God for the outcome, but listen to them. Think through what they're telling you. Uh, Don't just put your wall up. Listen to them carefully. Think through what they're saying and think through how you can help them through what they're saying. So, Don't come guns blazing, come with walls down, come humbly, come lovingly, come ready to be backing your position up with scripture, and you talk lovingly, and at the end of the day, God's going to do what God's going to do, however it ends out. If you are a church member, if you are a um, layperson, and you disagree with someone in your church, whether it be your pastor, whether it be an elder, whether it be a deacon, another leader, and some of the positions they hold, just for instance, Reformed theology. Now, if you have somebody in your church that holds to the Word of Faith theology, that holds to the prosperity gospel, you need to be having that conversation. That is a conversation that is going to end in a broken fellowship, if not restored. We're not talking about uh, out-there doctrines that are unbiblical. We're talking about things in the realm of orthodoxy, uh, such as the doctrine of election, Regeneration, justification, sanctification, things like that, uh, and maybe disagreement. So if you disagree with somebody, you go to them backed by Scripture to show your position. Do it humbly, lovingly. Try to learn from them, and, and that's vice versa. Learn from both sides. And at the end of the day, however long this takes, it could take one meeting. It could take several meetings, but at the end of the day, let God do what God does, but I pray that both sides would lovingly agree to disagree if need be, find common ground on the primary doctrines, and not let it these secondary issues and third-level issues divide congregations and cause unnecessary divisions. Again, there are times when someone may need to leave and break fellowship and find another body to associate with, and if that's the case, then if it's done rightly— then it can also be done lovingly and also still be done as sharpening one another and careful care for one another. Now, let me just say this as we are about to wind down this episode. If you leave a church over doctrine and theology, if you go to another church, I want to encourage you, do your research on that pastor, those leaders, elders, if there are elders in the church, do your research to know what they believe. Have conversations with them before you hitch your wagon to that church. Know where they stand on the doctrine of election, on the doctrine of regeneration. Ask them if regeneration precedes faith or if faith precedes regeneration. Ask them pointed questions. Research their social media accounts. So what are they posting? Are they posting things constantly quoting reformers or are they constantly quoting uh, Adrianisms or, and, and listen, I say Adrian Rogers. I love Adrian Rogers. I love that man. Love, I love hearing him preach. I love a lot of things about Adrian Rogers. Uh, so don't hear me say Adrian Rogers is the other side. Like I don't like him, but I'm just using other men as examples. So what is he preaching and teaching on his social media platforms? 
but do your research before you join another church. Don't just join because you like the youth program. Don't just join because you like the music. Don't just join because you like the pastor, because that pastor may just hold to the same theology as the pastor where you just left the church. So that would be my recommendations. And uh, as we think through, I'd love to know any of your uh, recommendations when it comes to disagreeing. Uh, if, if, if I've, I'm sure I've left out several steps, but I've just wanted to put some of those main things out there for us to think through when there are disagreements. And this can, these can be disagreements of any kind. They don't have to be just theological disagreements. Again, we talked about social statuses, economic statuses, black, white, Asian, Hispanic, uh, male, female. There are other issues that can come up in our lives where we might find ourselves disagreeing. Now, uh, these are issues that are important to you. So you make sure that when you approach someone that you are, and this is a recap, ready to defend your position biblically, that you're going to leave Google articles out, you're going to leave YouTube videos out, and you're going to come strictly with the scriptures. You're going to come with a humble and loving attitude. You're going to potentially agree to disagree, but you're still going to move forward believing and linking arms and finding common ground on the primary doctrines we find in Scripture for the glory of God and the exaltation of Christ and the building up of the saints. And if need be, you break fellowship, you do so lovingly. And if by chance fellowship is broken and a division has happened, uh, just pray for those folks. Let God work all things out for His glory and your good and their good if they're true believers and pray that they come to repentance and restoration. But ultimately, love one another. Don't divide, if necessary, over doctrine. Don't have necessary divisions in the church over doctrine. Yes, doctrine divides. I believe those primary doctrines divide. They separate the sheep from the goats. But the secondary and third level stuff, uh, there's ways around it. So do me a favor. Drop me a line here on Facebook for any of your tips in helping with disagreements and conflict. How would you go about it? Tell us a story of a time where you were uh, finding yourself in a disagreement with somebody, how it worked out, how, how it ended, how, how you handled it. And uh, I'd love to hear more tips, more, more thoughts from you guys. So, uh, again, uh, let us know in the comments section. And I just want to thank you for listening. I know that this episode was a little bit longer than normal. And hope there was some clarity in it. I know that there uh, seems to be sometimes chasing of some rabbits, uh, as one of my old pastors used to say, as they chasing a rabbit. Uh, that's okay, though. Uh, may God be glorified, Christ exalted, and the body encouraged. Thank you again for listening to the Doctor Matters podcast and this episode on disagreements in the church and how to handle them. And until next time, God bless.